welcome back to the Australian Histories Podcast. If you listen to episode 44, Henry Lawson, you'll note that I am taking a short break in January and won't be producing a history show until February. So I'm going to read a few of the sketches and poems that Henry Lawson wrote, or that I mentioned in that episode, just to keep us going until the next uh, history episode in February. Okay, here's one by Banjo Patterson that I mentioned in the earlier episode. A very famous poem called Clancy of the Overflow. I had written him a letter which I had for want of better knowledge sent to where I met him down the Lachlan years ago. He was shearing when I knew him, so I sent the letter to him, just on spec, addressed as follows, Clancy of the Overflow. And an answer came directed, in a writing unexpected, and I think the same was written with a thumbnail dipped in tar. T'was his shearing mate who wrote it, and verbatim I will quote it. Clancy's gone to Queensland droving, and we don't know where he are. In my wild, erratic fancy, visions come to me of Clancy, gone a-droving, down the cooper where the western drovers go. As the stock are slowly stringing, Clancy rides behind them, singing, for a drover's life has pleasures that the townsfolk never know. And the bush hath friends to meet him, and their kindly voices greet him, in the murmur of the breezes and the river in its bars. And he sees the vision splendid of the sunlit plains extended, and at night the wondrous glory of the everlasting stars. I am sitting in my dingy little office where a stingy ray of sunlight struggles feebly down between the houses tall, and the fetid air and gritty of the dusty, dirty city through the open window floating spreads its foulness over all. And in place of lowing cattle, I can hear the fiendish rattle of the tramways and the buses making hurry down the street. And the language uninviting of the gutter children fighting comes fitfully and faintfully through the ceaseless tramp of feet. And the hurrying people daunt me and their pallid faces haunt me as they shoulder one another in their rush and nervous haste with their eager eyes and greedy and their stunted forms and weedy, for the townsfolk have no time to grow, they have no time to waste. And I somehow rather fancy that I'd like to change with Clancy, like to take a turn at droving where the seasons come and go, while he faced the round eternal of the cash book and the journal. But I doubt he'd suit the office, Clancy of the Overflow. This was a very popular poem by um, Banjo Patterson and created such a romantic vision of the droving life that Lawson felt the need to respond as part of the bulletin debate and we'll note that some of the lines out of this poem were referred to by Lawson. So here's a poem by Henry Lawson called Up the Country. And it was one of the poems that he submitted as part of the bulletin debate. In fact, it may have been the opening salvo. Given that Banjo Patterson's optimistic poems were already well known, and Lawson's more earthy and harsh take on country life. As we discussed in episode 44, they did have different takes on the bush, what the experience of the bush life was. And so now this is uh, Henry Lawson's take on the matter. Up the country. I am back from up the country, very sorry that I went, 
seeking for the southern poet's land whereupon to pitch my tent. I have lost a lot of idols, which were broken on the track, burnt a lot of fancy verses, and I'm glad that I am back. Further out may be the pleasant scenes of which our poets boast, but I think the country's rather more inviting round the coast. Anyway, I'll stay at present at a boarding-house in town, drinking beer and lemon squashes, taking baths and cooling down. Sunny plains, great Scott, those burning wastes of barren soil and sand, with their everlasting fences stretching out across the land. Desolation where the crow is, desert where the eagle flies, paddocks where the loony bullock starts and stares with reddened eyes. Where in clouds of dust enveloped, roasting bullock drivers creep, slowly past the sun-dried shepherd dragging behind his crawling sheep. Stunted peak of granite gleaming, glaring like a molten mass, turned from some infernal furnace on a plain devoid of grass. Miles and miles of thirsty gutters, strings of muddy water holes, in place of shining rivers walled by cliffs and forest bowls. Barren ridges, gullies, ridges where the ever-maddening flies, fiercer than the plagues of Egypt, swarm about your blighted eyes. Bush where there is no horizon, where the buried bushman sees nothing, nothing but the sameness of the ragged stunted trees. Lonely hut where drought's eternal suffocating atmosphere, where the god-forgotten hatter dreams of city life and beer. Treacherous tracks that trap the stranger, endless roads that gleam and glare, dark and evil-looking gullies, hiding secrets here and there. Dull, dumb flats and stony rises where the toiling bullocks bake, and the sinister goanna and the lizard and the snake. Land of day and night, no morning freshness, no afternoon, when the great white sun is rising, bringing summer heat in June. Dismal country for the exile when the shades begin to fall, from all the sad heartbreaking sunset to the new chum worst of all. Dreary land in rainy weather with the endless clouds that drift o'er the bushman like a blanket that the Lord will never lift. Dismal land when it's raining, growl of floods and oh the whoosh of the rain and wind together in the dark bed of the bush. Ghastly fires on lonely humbies where the granite rocks are piled in the rain-swept wilderness that were wildest of the wild. Land where gaunt and haggard women live alone and work like men, till their husbands gone a-droving will return to them again. Home of men, if home had ever such God-forgotten place, where the wild selector's children fly before a stranger's face. Home of tragedy, applauded by the dingo's dismal yell. Heaven of the shanty-keeper, fitting fiend for such a hell. And the wallaroos and wombats, and of course the curlews call, and the lone sundowner tramping ever onward through it all. I am back from up the country, up the country where I went, seeking for the southern poet's land whereupon to pitch my tent. I have shattered many idols out along the dusty track, burnt a lot of fancy verses, and I'm glad that I am back. I believe the southern poet's dream will not be realised till the plains are irrigated and the land is humanised. I intend to stay at present, as I said before, in town, drinking beer and lemon squashes, taking baths and cooling down. So that is a very harsh and dismal look at the outback, but no doubt for the selectors trying to make a living in a drought year or in a flood year or in the middle of the 1890s depression, when even a good harvest didn't bring much money, uh, you can see why he's seen things that way. 
Now, Banjo-Patterson responded with the poem called In Defence of the Bush. So you're back from up the country, Mr Townsman, where you went, and you're cursing all the business in a bit of discontent. Well, we grieve to disappoint you, and it makes us sad to hear that it wasn't cool and shady and there wasn't plenty beer, and the loony bullock snorted when you first came into view. Well, you know, it's not so often that he sees a swell like you. And the roads were hot and dusty and the plains were burnt and brown, and no doubt you're better suited drinking lemon squash in town. Yet perchance if you should journey down that very track you went, in a month or two at furthest you would wonder what it meant. Where the sun-baked earth was gasping like a creature in its pain, you would find the grasses waving like a field of summer grain and the miles of thirsty gutters blocked with sand and choked with mud, you would find the mighty rivers with a turbid sweeping flood. For the rain and drought and sunshine make no changes in the street, in the sullen line of buildings and the ceaseless tramp of feet. But the bush hath moods and changes as the seasons rise and fall, and the men who know the bushland, they are loyal through it all. But you found the bushels dismal and the land of no delight, did you chance to hear the chorus in a shearer's huts at night? Did they rise up William Riley by the campfire's cheery blaze? Did they rise him as they rose him in the good old droving days? And the women of the homesteads and the men you chanced to meet, were their faces sour and saddened like the faces in the street? And the shy selector children, were they better now or worse than the little city urchins who would greet you with a curse? Is not such a life much better than the squalid street and square, where the fallen women flaunted in the fierce electric glare, where the sempstress piles her sewing till her eyes are sore and red, in a filthy, dirty attic toiling on for daily bread? Did you hear no sweeter voices in the music of the bush than the roar of trams and buses and the war-whoop of the push? Did the magpies rouse your slumber with their carols sweet and strange? Did you hear the silver chiming of the bell-birds on the range? But perchance the wild bird's music by your senses was despised, for you say you'll stay in townships till the bush is civilised. Would you make it a tea-garden and on Sundays have a band where the blokes might take their donners with the public close at hand? You had better stick to Sydney and make merry with the push, for the bush will never suit you and you'll never suit the bush. We'll rant and we'll roar like true Queensland rovers. Rant and we'll roar as onwards we push until we return to the Ogdenham station. It's flame and dry going through the old Queensland bush. Now the first camp we make and we'll be down by the river. We'll off with our swags and lay the place flat. We'll bed down the herd and before the sun rises we'll move them again. And we'll cross the black bars and we'll run and we'll roar like... Well, after that, Henry Lawson was bound to reply again and he called his next poem in response to Banjo Patterson's The City Bushman by Henry Lawson. It was pleasant up the country, city bushman, where you went, for you sought the greener patches and you travelled like a gent, and you cursed the trams and buses and the turmoil and the push, though you know the squalid city needn't keep you from the bush. 
but we lately heard you singing of the plains where shade is not, and you mentioned it was dusty, all was dry and all was hot. True, the bush hath moods and changes, and the bushman hath them too, for he is not a poet's dummy, he's a man the same as you, but his back is growing rounder, slaving for the absentee, and his toiling wife is thinner than a country wife should be. For we noticed that the faces of the folk we chanced to meet should have made a greater contrast to the faces on the street. And, in short, we think the bushman's being driven to the wall, and it's doubtful if his spirit will be loyal through it all. Though the bush has been romantic and it's nice to sing about, there's a lot of patriotism that the land could do without, sort of British workman nonsense that shall perish in the scorn of the drover who is driven and the shearer who is shorn, of the struggling western farmers who have little time for rest and are ruined on selections in the sheep-infested west. Droving songs are very pretty, but they merit little thanks from the people of a country in possession of the banks. And the rise and fall of seasons suits the rise and fall of rhyme. But we know that western seasons do not run on schedule time, for the drought will go on drying while there's anything to dry. Then it rains until you'd fancy it would bleach the scunny sky. Then it pelters out of reason for the downpour day and night, nearly sweeps the population to the great Australian bite. It is up in northern Queensland that the seasons do their best, but it's doubtful if you ever saw a season in the west. There are years without an autumn or a winter or a spring. There are broiling dunes and summers when it rains like anything. In the bush my ears were open to the singing of a bird, but the carol of the magpie was a thing I never heard. Once the beggar roused my slumbers in a shanty, it is true, but I only heard him asking, Who the blanky blank are you? And the bellbird in the ranges with his silver chime is harsh when it's heard beside the solo of the curlew in the marsh. Yes, I heard the shearers singing, William Riley, out of tune, saw them fighting round a shanty on a Sunday afternoon. But the bushman isn't always trapping brumbies in the night, nor is he forever riding when the morn is fresh and bright, and he isn't always singing in the humpies on the run, and the campfire's cheery blazes are a trifle overdone. We have grumbled with the bushmen round the fire on rainy days, when the smoke would blind a bullock and there wasn't any blaze. Save the blazes of our language, for we cursed the fire in turn, till the atmosphere was heated and the wood began to burn. Then we had to wring our blueys which were rotting in the swags, and we saw the sugar leaking through the bottom of the bags, and we couldn't raise a chorus for the toothache and the cramp, and we spent the hours of darkness draining puddles round the camp. Would you like to change with Clancy, go a-droving, tell us true, for we rather think that Clancy would be glad to change with you, and be something in the city but twould give your muse a shock, to be losing time and money through the foot-rot in the flock, and you wouldn't mind the beauties underneath the starry dome, if you had a wife and children and lots of bills at home. Did you ever guard the cattle when the night was inky black, when it rained and icy water trickled gently down your back? till your saddle-weary backbone fell an aching to the roots, and you almost felt the croaking of the bullfrog in your boots. Sit and shiver in the saddle, curse the restless stock and cough, till the squatter's irate dummy canted up to warn you off. Did you fight the drought and pleuro when the seasons were asleep, felling she-oaks in the morning for a flock of starving sheep? 
drinking mud instead of water, climbing trees and looping boughs, for the broken-hearted bullocks and the dry and dusty cows. Did you think the bush was better, in the good old droving days, when the squatter ruled supremely as the king of western ways, when you got a slip of paper for the little you could earn, but were forced to take provisions from the station in return? when you couldn't keep a chicken at your humpy on the run, for the squatter wouldn't let you and your work was never done, when you had to leave the missus in a lonely hut forlorn while you rose up willy-riley in the days ere you were born. Ah, we read about the drovers and the shearers and the like, till we wonder why such happy romantic fellows strike. Don't you fancy that the poets better give the bush a rest, ere they raise a just rebellion in the overwritten West? where the simple-minded bushman gets a meal and bed and rum, just by riding round reporting phantom flocks that never come, where the scalper, never troubled by the war-whoop of the push, has a quiet little billet breeding rabbits in the bush, where the idle shanty-keeper never fails to make a draw, and the dummy gets his tucker through the provisions in the law, where the labour agitator, when the shearers rise in might, makes his money sacrificing all his substance for the right, where the squatter makes his fortune and the seasons rise and fall, and the poor and honest bushman has to suffer for it all, where the drovers and the shearers and the bushmen and the rest never reach the El Dorado of the poets of the West. And you think the bush is purer and that life is better there, but it doesn't seem to pay you like the squalid street and square. Pray inform us, city bushman, where you read in prose or verse of the awful city urchin who would greet you with a curse. There are golden hearts in gutters, though their owners lack the fat, and wheel back a teamster's offspring to outswear the city brat. Do you think we never jolly where the trams and buses rage? Did you hear the gods in chorus when Rytural held the stage? Did you catch a ring of sorrow in the city urchin's voice when he yelled for Billy Elton when he thumped the floor for Royce? Do the bushmen down on pleasure miss the everlasting stars when they drink and flirt and so on in the glow of private bars? You've a down on trams and buses and the roar of em, you said, and the filthy dirty attic where you never toiled for bread. And about that selfsame attic, Lord, wherever have you been? For the struggling needlewoman mostly kept her attic clean. But you'll find it very jolly with the cuff and collar push and the city seems to suit you while you rave about the bush. You'll admit that up the country more, especially in drought, isn't quite the Eldorado that the poets rave about. Yet at times we long to gallop where the reckless bushman rides, and in the wake of startled brumbies that are flying for their hides, long to feel the saddle temple once again between our knees, and to hear the stockwhips rattle just like the rifles in the trees. Long to feel the bridle leather tugging strongly in the hand, and to feel once more a little like the native of the land. And the ring of bitter feeling and the jingling of our rhymes isn't suited to the country, nor the spirit of the times. Let us go together driving, and returning if we live, try to understand each other while we reckon up the div. As I mentioned in episode 44, in the life of Henry Lawson, a number of other poets and writers published works contributing to the bulletin's debate, but to finish off today's offerings, I think we'll give the final word to Banjo. Perhaps he and Henry Lawson both knew that the old bushways were coming to an end anyway. 
So this poem by Banjo Patterson is called An Answer to Various Bards. Well, I've waited mighty patient while they all came rolling in. Mr Lawson, Mr Dyson and the others of their kin, with their dreadful, dismal stories of the overlander's camp, how his fire is always smoky and his boots are always damp. And they paint it so terrific it would fill one's soul with gloom. But you know they're fond of writing about corpses and the tomb. So, before they curse the bushland, they should let their fancy range and take something for their livers and be cheerful for a change. Now, for instance, Mr Lawson, well, of course, we almost cried at the sorrowful description how his little Arve died, and we lacrimosed in silence when his father's mate was slain. Then he went and killed the father, and we had to weep again. Ben Duggan and Jack Denver, too, he caused them to expire, after which he cooked the gander of Jack Dunn of Nevertire. And no doubt the bush is wretched, if you judge it by the groan of the sad and soulful poet with a graveyard of his own. And he spoke in terms prophetic of a revolution's heart, when the world should hear the clamour of those people in the street. But the shearer chaps who started, why, he rounds on them in blame, and he calls them agitators who are living on the game. But I overwrite the bushman, well... I'll own without a doubt that I always see the hero in the man from furthest out. I could never contemplate him through an atmosphere of gloom, and a bushman never struck me as the subject for the tomb. If it ain't all golden sunshine where the wattle branches wave, well, it ain't all damp and dismal, and it ain't all lonely grave. And, of course, there's no denying that the bushman's life is rough, but a man can easy stand it if he's built of sterling stuff. Though it's seldom that the drover gets a bed of eider down, yet the man who's born a bushman, he gets mighty sick of town, for he's jotting down the figures and he's adding up the bills, while his heart is simply aching for the sight of southern hills. Then he hears a wool team passing with a rumble and a lurch, and although the work is pressing, yet it brings him off his perch, for it stirs him like a message from his station friends afar, and he seems to sniff the ranges in the scent of wool and tar, and it takes him back in fancy, half in laughter, half in tears, to a sound of other voices and a thought of other years. When the wool shed rang with bustle from the dawning of the day, and the shear blades were a clicking to the cry of wool away. Then his face was somewhat browner, and his frame was firmer set, and he feels his flabby muscles with a feeling of regret. But the wool team slowly passes, and his eyes go slowly back to the dusty little table and the papers in the rack and his thoughts go to the terrace where his sickly children squall, and he thinks there's something healthy in the bush life after all. But we'll go no more a-droving in the wind or in the sun, for our father's hearts have failed us, and the droving days are done. There's a nasty dash of danger where the long-horned bullock wheels, and we like to live in comfort and to get our regular meals. For to hang around the township suits us better, you'll agree, and a job at washing bottles is a job for such as we. Let us herd into the cities, let us crush and crowd and push, till we lose the love of roving and we learn to hate the bush. And we'll turn our aspirations to a 
city life and beer, and we'll slip across to England. It's a nicer place than here. For there's not much risk of hardship where all comforts are in store, and the theatres are in plenty, and the pubs are more and more. But that ends it, Mr Lawson, and it's time to say goodbye, so we must agree to differ in all friendship, you and I. Yes, we'll work our own salvation with the stoutest hearts we may, and if fortune only favours we will take the road some day, and go droving down the river neath the sunshine and the stars, and then return to Sydney and vermilionise the bars. And so the great debate ended. I'll try and post a couple more of Henry Lawson's sketches or short stories and possibly another poem or two from some of the other writers of the era. And then at the end of February, there'll be a brand new episode from the Australian Histories podcast for you. Thanks for listening. Cheers. I have a pair of warden pines that I've tried to view. I'll pick them up and I'll let you see what I can really do. For I'm sure on the riverine where they shear them by the score. With such a terror as this cliff, I've never sure before. A lot of lumpen tigers, it's plain to see we are. I'm from Burley Ringer, I see lovely calls, but time I'll get the car. Here calls one and quickly our boy flies. Sweet those blocks away and never loudly cry. The scene it is a lively one, Lord, but be a tired. There hasn't been a better boy since Jackie Howe expired. Along the board, our gaffer walks his face all in the front. And passing by the fingers, say, You must mad, keep down. Hup, hup, hup. A lot of locks and tigers, it's plain to see we are. Hard to our burly ringer as he loudly calls the car. Car, here, calls one and quick the car boy flies. Sweep those locks away, another loudly cries. A lot of locks and tigers, it's plain to see we are.